welcome to episode 5 of the GamerCast that publishes on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify every single month. Thank you for subscribing and rating us on iTunes or Apple Music or whatever the hell they call it now. And and thank you for everything that you guys knew. And uh, if you're new, here's the deal. Every month I have sweet hangs with a stranger from the internet. And we talk about video games. And if you want to be part of the show, if you want to send me questions or feedback or whatever, uh, follow me on Twitter at Sean Capri. It's Sean like Connor Capri like the pants. Guys, before we really get into it, I want to uh, give some shout-outs, like we do, <laughs> I guess, every month. Um, there are people who support us at patreon.com slash Capri, uh, Bobby and I, Bobby, the Nintendo guru. Um, got a whole bunch of stuff for you guys to check out there. Early access. The patrons are getting this show early, so uh, quickly. Uh, but but thoughtfully and heartfelt, I want to give a thank you to our gold members over there at patreon.com slash Capri, Don Becker, Ryan Turford, Tim Eigendorf, Sheldon Benedict, Joel Brooks, James Johnson, Brandon Myers, our platinum producers, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty and Tammy Boots, and uh, happy birthday to you, uh, Tammy, and a diamond executive producers, Bobby Miller, Corey Hicks, Lee Navarro, and Jonathan Brown. All right. Guys, thank you everybody for supporting us there. And uh, into episode five here, it's weird because this show, like We the Gamer Cast, was was weekly. So I was doing this. I was I was hunkering down into the basement and doing the screaming and doing all the things. I didn't have to worry about waking up kids and everything. Now now you got to find a little sliver of time where it's okay to uh, to to not be with the kids. They got to be awake or or maybe even out of town. I think which was the case last week. Um, so I've snuck away. Breakfast is happening upstairs, and uh, whatever is happening in your lives, I hope that I hope this podcast finds you well. Last month, um, for those of you who subscribe, you remember Donnie Reese from PSVG. He's at Play Nintendo on Twitter, and I just what a great episode! And this new this new version of We the Gamer Cast, now the Gamer Cast, now into episode five, is sort of finding um, its own way. And I think kind of going back and forth between. Ed, and then uh, now this show, actually, this 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 show with, with Benji, um, the GamerCast, it seems like, can be all sorts of different things. And I really appreciated Donnie from last month just to kind of, like, allow myself to explore this a little bit, uh, erasing all the rules, whatever I had in my mind of what the show was supposed to be. So last month, very personal, very, um, very behind the curtain uh, look of content creation and the indie indie podcast scene. This month with Benji, very, I guess, similar uh, inside baseball and behind the curtain look at the gaming industry, but very different. And I and I'm and I'm excited and enthused and energized to explore this new space. So thank you to Donnie and thank you to Benji for a great conversation that you guys are about to hear. I uh, I've been we recorded this a little while ago and I've been really excited to share this one with you guys. You're you're in for a treat. But before we get to it, I want to give, uh, in addition to the shout outs for our patrons over there, um, I am so grateful to all of the people who support in all the ways that you guys do it. A lot of people um, share the tweets and just get the visibility out there, your engagement questions, comments, everything. It means a ton. And then uh, out of nowhere, last week on the stream at twitch.tv slash Sean Capri, Eric Townsend at the original Xbox um, filled up the chat, man. I was having a bit of a low day. It was, um, it's been, it's been a stressful couple weeks. <laughs> um, and he came in and he's like, Hey man, I know things are a little rough for you. And without really even saying much more than that, he gifted, um, Twitch subs to pretty much everybody in that chat, man. He filled up my, I am one sub away from getting more, um, emote badges or emoji badges or whatever the hell they're called over there on Twitch. 
like I never the reason I don't know is because or uh, what they're called is because I never really considered like the Twitch to be anything more than just my like two nights two nights a week kind of thing. But it's turning out to be something pretty special, man. I spent most of September playing Gears Five, uh, hanging out with a whole bunch of really great friends, especially Mister Badbit over at the Trophy Room. And I just wanted to say thank you to Eric and thank you to everybody who make that stream special you guys show up and it's incredible and i just i'm i'm so grateful um really cool things happening over there on twitch so uh, if you're not already go on over there give a follow i'd really appreciate seeing you guys there good things good people over there as we head on into october with uh destiny coming out we have call of duty at the end of the month we also have the outer world so i'm really looking forward to um maybe maybe stepping away from gears i tried the other night and I just got pulled right back in, man. That that tour of duty is is pretty addicting. Uh, man, there's so much to talk about, guys. I, the, the elephant, I guess, in the room is on the Xbox Drive. Um, this month, we say goodbye to Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, uh, was a co-host on the Xbox Drive for over a year, and we're into the next phase. And um, you know, I was I, I put the announcement on on Twitter from the Xbox Drive account. And it is it's heart wrenching. It's it's very it's actually surreal. Because the last couple of weeks, um, we've had a, a fill-in, like Ryan, Ryan Turford is there, and I think everybody has been very welcoming, and it's awesome, and it's great. Um, but now it's, like, real, like, now it's, like, the the break is uh, permanent. And so I'm not going to say much more than that other than to say, please follow Luke, follow him on Mixer, Mixer.com slash ghost on Twitter, at ghost. I know that he's working on something new, and it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait for you guys to experience it and to see it and for him to announce it. And that's going to be a, a big, big moment. So um, I hope you guys will join me in, uh, in following Luke on that next phase. And goodness gracious, the uh, the Xbox Drive will not be the same without him. Holy cow. A um, couple more things, guys. I don't know how you... I should have left that for... Well, I don't even know. <laughs> how do you talk about that and then go to something else? It's, it's pretty tricky. There's only a couple more things. Before we get to Benji, Benji Sales... Um, number one, I think the last time that we talked on this show, I was teasing something. I was like, okay, something's happening. And that was my trip to the coalition. I got to go play Gears 5. Um, actually, what the team said was that we, outside of that team, we were the first people to experience the campaign. And that, I can't believe that's just a month ago. It feels like a lifetime ago. I've put countless hours into into gears five ever since then i've had my um my preview slash review of my um i guess it would just be a preview up on okay beast even the guys at okay beast have spent a week over at kind of funny like september was a month so with all that said that's let's just can we just i hope i invite you guys to do this as well reflect back on september this is maybe a new thing i'm just coming up as we talk here um because this is a monthly show pat yourself on the back man you made it another month you did great things in September. Um, you played great games. You did amazing things. You, you you took steps to be more healthy, to be more mindful. You did great things. And you're still here. And I'm grateful that you guys are are still here on this ride on the GamerCast. So, man, goodness gracious. I hope that your September was, uh, was as exciting and fun-filled as mine. And then the other thing that I'll say uh, as we head on into the final three months of the year is I've heard people talk about these months that end in Burr, September, October, November, December. Tough months, man. Very stressful. The holidays, uh, people, kids are back at school. For whatever reason, it seems like these last few months of the year can be really hectic. So let's watch out for one another. Let's let's be kind to one another, support each other, and um, just try and stay positive. So I hope you guys are doing well. On that note, 
one last thing before we get to Benji. Extra Life, extra-life.org. Please um, support myself and the team over at Phoenix Overdrive. We are going to be like me, Bobby, Jams Gams, Ryan Turford, um, Mr. Badbit himself. A few people are still kind of on the fence, Garrett Bland. I'm, I'm counting on you, man. We're going to be in Rome, New York on November 2nd. We're going to be having an adult sleepover to raise money for the kids. And it's all about Extra Life. So please go to extra-life.org. Search for me, Sean Capri. And for every $10 that you guys donate to me, you're going to be entered into a raffle to win a custom ID at Xbox skateboard with Phil Spencer's signature on it. All right. So this is really the first kind of like announcement that I've done on this. More details will be coming on Twitter and on the Extra Life page. And I'm going to have pictures and everything. But um, when uh, Luke Lore and I were at E3... Uh, the community manager of ID at Xbox handed over a skateboard. It's amazing. This uh, awesome design on it. And then moments later, we met Phil Spencer and we asked him to sign these things. So, you know, I could put them up on, I could put this thing up on my wall. I could do whatever, I, whatever uh, with this thing. It's, it's kind of like two of a kind um, uh, products in the world. But I thought that this would be best to help raise money for what is going to be the best extra life, not even just for Phoenix Overdrive and for everybody involved in our circle. I truly believe that this is going to be the biggest extra life, more streamers, more money raised. So guys, if you're even remotely interested in joining us live in person, the invite is out there. So please contact me. Please contact Lee Navarro. And uh, let's get this going, man. We're a month away from what is going to be like literally years in the making. So dreams come true. I, I do have to give a shout out to um, everybody at Patreon, patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. For me, like, that's how this is possible. There's no way, like, I know, I know for, and, and Bobby as well, certainly, um, but I've got to cross over, i got to jump over that wall. I've got to buy myself a grappling hook or a ladder, or I'm not entirely sure how you get over, or you're supposed to get over that wall. Uh, I know it's just going to cost some money. <laughs> so thank you to everybody at patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. Um, your money has helped me uh, secure this this trip. And, um, and, and make sure that I am also able to put, uh, to have my kids go to school and, and have food on the table and all those other things. I'm not taking away from that, that the gaming stays gaming and the family stays family. Um, the Patreon really does help for that. So thank you guys so much. And not only are we going to raise a whole bunch of money, but Bobby and I are going to make some content. There's a whole bunch of you guys who are going to be there. We're going to make some content together. This show will have... My plan is to have some live interviews there. I'd love to do, like, in my head, this is kind of what I'm thinking, just have some, you know, 10, 15 minute, maybe even half an hour conversations with people who are there and then smash it all into one special, like, Extra Life The Gamer Cast type of thing or the Gamer Cast Extra Life Edition. I would love for that to be November's. So stay tuned. I'm going to have some more news on that very soon as I uh, work out the logistics. But in my mind, the next episode of The Gamer Cast might be after. November 1st, because I will, uh, or it'll be a December. One of those two things. It'll be a slightly later um, release of this of this show. Of course, patrons get it first, patreon.com slash Yumi Capri at all levels, a dollar and up. And um, more on that to be determined. Now, guys, the moment you've all been waiting for, many of you are here for this very reason. Benji Sales is somebody who I've been following since, uh, gosh, it's probably been about a year. Um, we're coming up on a year anyways. He's at Benji Sales. He has absolutely tremendous insight into the gaming industry and i personally love how the the data the data cuts through all of the noise of course we go through our twitter feeds opinions attitudes everything else and then uh, in comes uh, benji sales with a little bit of numbers and it's like well it doesn't really matter how you feel this is kind of the way it goes 
I am so excited for you guys to have a listen to this. This is one of the most unique and interesting conversations I've had in a long time from a from a from a gaming industry perspective. Uh, please follow if you're not already. Follow Benji on Twitter at Benji Sales. Follow him on YouTube YouTube.com/slash Benji Benji Sales. Of course, Benji is with a J and an I. Uh, why don't we get right on into it, guys? Here he is, Benji Sales. <laughs> you in the world uh just central u.s that's okay. all i kind of say okay i kind of keep <laughs> what's my, your precise uh, address benji <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i kind of keep my uh who i i really am a little bit private i mean mm-hmm. if someone really wants to find me of course my face is out there so they can but uh yeah, I try to keep it a little bit, but central U.S. That's that's my location. That is fair. That is that's fair. I uh, I probably have gone overboard. I I sort of like was uh, was thinking that my my worlds wouldn't ever cross. I, I was safe for quite a while, and then I changed jobs and worked with uh, some pretty social media savvy people. Which really doesn't take too much to go like just Google like yeah. this person. <laughs> And then you just discover like all these podcasts and everything else, all this video game <laughs> stuff, and I'm like, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> I managed that's to be funny. incognito for ten years, and then I took jobs, and they find out instantly. They're like, tell yeah, me about this I... Patreon thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, what like is someone saying that I have a Patreon? No, for me, like when I oh when you I, they're, yeah, they're like yeah, 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 so yeah. this podcast and this Patreon, oh, like yeah, 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 like obviously. <laughs> Not really understanding it. They all discovered all your stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's um. So you know what? It's it's good. I don't like. I don't really like hiding it. But I'm I'm curious for yeah. for you. Is it is it a work thing? Is it a like yes. scary internet people thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's more a work thing than anything. Um. My my job is like aware of of it, but it's as long as it doesn't become like a public conflicting of interests. Mm. You know, I'm good to do it. Um. You know, I don't, I don't flat out put out any private data or anything like that. You know, I'll definitely share like, you know, things I'm seeing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, for for those that you know aren't super familiar with me, you know, of course I do. You know, a lot of sales talk about the gaming industry, and uh, yeah, it's it's really work related. And then also to protect, uh, you know, some of my contacts. I know a lot of people in the retail industry. Um, you know, at different, uh, you know, companies. And I just don't want anyone to get, you know, tied up with me and, and get anyone in trouble. So mm-hmm. that's the main reason. Internet people, honestly, most everyone I talk to is, is really awesome. So um, it's not really that sort of thing. It's more just a job and, and to protect my contacts. Okay, well, that sort of answers one of my biggest, like, mysteries about you. Is like, I always <laughs> wonder, like, you see yeah. some of these people sort of, like, pop up with, with really in-depth, like, actual knowledge. <laughs> There's, of course, all the people who have completely fake knowledge and their uncle works in Nintendo. Um, oh, or, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So, like, I always wondered, like, where where you're getting the sales data and, and your, um, your, your comments are always leading in terms of, I'm seeing this. So, I think, like, I remember when you were talking about Fire Emblem um, yeah. before that dropped, and you're like, this is going to be big. And then, of course, it was. So, I was always wondering, like, who, like what website did you sign up for to get this data? But obviously yeah. it's related to your work. Yeah. So I can explain it a little bit. I've, uh, you know, I, I've worked in and around, uh, games for over a decade, mm-hmm. um, now. And, uh, 
you know, in various places. Uh, I won't go super into where everywhere I've worked, but it's always been like, you know, more on like the sales side, that sort of thing. And uh, over the years, you know, I started off low entry level, just like everybody else Mm -hmm. um, and just moved my way steadily, you know, kind of higher up. And uh, over those years, I've, like I said, made a lot of contacts at different companies that still work at those companies. And then me myself, you know, I still do work in that environment. So I don't I don't give super exact data because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. These mm-hmm. companies, you know, we all know how the gaming industry is about sales. They, they really don't like units being out there. Um, but I, I do feel it's important to let people know the general idea how things are performing. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think it's important people can know about that. And uh, so my goal is to help that conversation. Uh, but I don't put out you know exact units because I don't want anyone to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of jobs have you? Are, are you able to talk about like the types of tasks or roles that you've sort of been growing through in your career? So this it starts out as like uh, a junior role. Like what does that even mean? Are you just like a grunt working on spreadsheets all day? <laughs> no, it actually started whenever I very first started. It was directly selling games to consumers at a very large and well-known retailer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people can put together who that probably is in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, worked there for a long time, very long time. Yeah. Um, and started super entry level, you know, as low as you can get, making that minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. And then just kept getting promoted and moving up and moving up. And uh, that was the start of it. And uh, yeah, it just kind of has grown, you know, from there. But that's really where it started was was more directly sales. And at that time, you know, whenever I first started, um, because I would even talk about it back then. And it was more just, hey, this is like, you know, what I'm directly seeing just from my, I didn't have a ton of data at that time, but this was, you know, like 10 years ago. Right. Um, but I've always been super interested in sales. That's literally, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story if you don't care. Uh, it's actually kind of funny how I got this job was I went for the interview and, uh, during the interview, they're like, okay, yeah, like he's all right. I didn't have a ton of work experience at the time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, whenever I turned in my application, I had stapled to it a two-page hand, you know, like typed report on the whole video game industry sales. And they, yeah, and uh, the district manager comes up to me and they're like, I've been doing interviews for my, you know, like <laughs> years and I have never seen someone apply for an entry-level position like this. They're mm-hmm. like, you're hired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I've always been super passionate about it. And uh, then, yeah, as I moved up, you know, then I started getting lots of data, lots and lots and lots of data. So before we go further on into the career path, like obviously games were part of your life before this. I, I, can't, I can, can't imagine you're off into something else. And then like, you know what? I don't like video <laughs> games, but I really like selling video games. Like, I'm not, I've not yet met that person. So like, where right. does where does the video game obsession start with you, man? So it all starts whenever I'm a little kid and my uncle bought me my very first gaming console, which was a Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. He bought he bought me that and I was hooked ever since then. Yeah. Ever since then, Super Nintendo playing, you know, Mega Man X back on it. Yeah. Yeah. Playing, uh, of course, Super Mario World Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, and games like that. You know, I was I was just a little kid at the time. And that's really where where it started for me Mm -hmm. was there. Mm -hmm. And then. uh 
you know, that's that's where that started. And then my passion for sales actually came later. Um, so I was a huge gamer in general, like always, basically lifelong, just loved games. And then funnily enough, back on, you know, game trailers, rest in peace, I was a, a member of the forums on GameTrailers.com. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I was in, you know, some random thread on there and someone came in talking about Fable sales, like how many copies Fable had sold for Xbox. Mm-hmm. And I just found it super interesting. I was like, man, like, I, I you know, you, it's funny because growing up with games, you know, I always knew which ones I liked, but I didn't really know in my circle of friends, but I never really knew, you know, what everyone's playing. I just mm-hmm. knew what I liked and my friends liked. And so I found it super interesting. I'm like, oh, yeah, this would be kind of interesting to follow to see what the world likes, right? And uh, that is actually how it started. So thanks to that forum poster who shared those fable sales, because who knows, maybe none of this would have ever happened uh, if they didn't. And after that, you know, I just was hooked. I, I tried to look up everything I could about game sales. Yeah, that's how that's how the, the sales passion started. Isn't that crazy, man, how life sort of like works? It's like this culmination of of things that happen, these events and and things that alter your trajectory. Like you're going along, you're having a great time. And then your uncle shows up with a Super Nintendo. You're like, oh, <laughs> that changes me over into this direction. And then that puts you in a spot where you're going to be on this forum. And then you discover all the sales stuff like it's crazy to me. And I love um, I think you and I are maybe a little bit similar in this way, like where you can track where you are right now to like a single moment like there's something that happened that just like it changed things and now you're here i mean maybe that's part of uh when things work out well maybe or or horribly wrong maybe you can also (laughs) try those things too but life is a culmination of those moments though isn't it yeah it really is you know it's it's funny because it really is true like those those two specific things Mm -hmm. i mean that's really it like I can track it exactly to that, and and it's funny how that works out because mm-hmm. like I said, had I had I never read that random post about Fable, I loved Fable at the time, so that's like what really interested me about it. I was like, oh man, this is cool seeing how many copies Fable sold, mm-hmm. and that's like you know how it first started was I think how a lot of people view sales. A lot of people I I notice kind of like to follow sales for the games they like, right? right? They maybe don't follow like the whole industry, but they want to know like, hey, I'm a huge, let's say Halo fan, and I, I want to know how Halo's doing. So I think that's how a lot of people view it. I like to just know everything because um, I'm a nerd like that. But uh, <laughs> Well, it seems like your commentary kind of avoids the um, like the console war kind of stuff. Like it does seem like you're, you've, you've taken this very analytical approach, which keeps you objective. At least from what yeah. I've seen. So are you yeah, like yeah. console agnostic? Like, do you have all the things, or like, what are you playing? Yeah. So I, yeah, that's uh, in terms of like avoiding the console war. You know, it's it's not really like a purposeful thing. Like, I'm like, oh man, I, I got to tiptoe around what I right. say. It's more just like because I think because like I said, so many people are interested in the thing that they like, whereas me, it's just like a natural thing. Like, I just really like to know how things are doing, mm-hmm. and it's. It's like if it's a game I love and it's doing really bad, like it's a bummer, but like that's how it is, man. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. that's how it's performing. And uh, it, it's more like, 
yeah, I, I want to get to the truth behind how it's selling. And, and I think the best thing for people whenever I share this stuff is to be honest about it. I yeah. don't want to give, you know, like a, a false sense. I don't want to make people excited about something that's not doing well and pretend it is or vice versa. You know, oh, this is doing really bad when really it's doing great. You know, I just want to get the right message out there about what's really happening. And then in terms of uh, like what I'm playing, you know, I have all the consoles and it just totally varies. Yeah, um, yeah, same. Like lately I've been playing a lot of Switch because of like Fire Emblem and mm -hmm. Mario Maker 2 and, you know, these kind of games. But uh, probably if I boiled it down, the main platform I play right now is probably my Xbox One X because mm -hmm. uh, I play all my multi-platform games on there. Yep. Um, before, before the X came out, it was dominantly PS4. Uh, that's where I mostly played. Um, so it really just depends on like what's out and, and what's interesting. How dare you, Evan Flo? How dare you <laughs> not take a stand, man? I don't think the internet will will handle this very well at all. But I do. Yeah, I, ben. <laughs> seriously, pick one. How do, now you've upset everybody. That's the thing. Yeah, you, now you're trying to appease everyone. Angry. <laughs> Well, like to me, I'm fascinated with with that. I work with I work with um, data a lot in in my role, and awesome. so I see. Yeah. But it's totally different. Like my, I'm in fundraising, but it's, so it's kind of weird for even people to hear that. Like, what? How do you that's deal with data? Cool, in yeah, that's well, that's cool. kind of why I wanted to reach out to you because, like, I see this, and I'm like, I'm fascinated by it. And I'm never, yeah. I'm never the person digging through the data. Like, I'm I'm working with the an, with the analysts and and kind uh -huh. of coming up with trends and, and new strategies and things like that. But I'm curious for you with like you're right. So most people will look at a single game or maybe even a single console that might give them a better a better purview but you're able to look at the entire industry and i just yeah. imagine like like the zach galifianakis like sort of like the number crunching in, in his face <laughs> on uh on a hangover i see that with you but uh, like i picture curves like sales yeah. curves all over the yeah. place so i'm curious like from your perspective what do you see uh games in terms of like their spikes and then the 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 uh the tails that are associated with the games that like to me it seems like there's this huge spike when a game launches and then this long tail is that about what you see and then are there any notable differences from a pretty pretty typical sales curve yeah so that's like an amazing question and that's something that's actually you know changed really in recent years yeah. you know it used to be like when a game launched you know it, it might have this first huge like two months you know three months something like that and then it would just kind of crater kind of disappear and and that was that you know and uh it's interesting because what we're really seeing nowadays especially thanks to like you know digital sales as well as you know people hate to to hear the term a lot of people but games as a service things like that you're seeing just much longer tails mm -hmm. on games like games are just selling for way longer than they used to years and years i mean you look at like the for example like the npd top 20 right now uh you know for recent months and like half the games or more are games that came out six 12 months ago mm -hmm. um so yeah that's that is a, a very good question and something that is definitely changing you're, you're seeing games with much longer sales curves than they used to of course you know Launch is still the biggest for most games. You know, most the majority of games that first month or two is, of course, the huge spike. But still, yeah, you're, you're seeing a lot more games 
sell really long tail and not just multiplayer by the way either you're also seeing games like you know assassin's creed odyssey and other single player games that are having longer sales curves because they're releasing that dlc Mm -hmm. uh you know those big expansions so even single player games you're seeing extended life uh cycles than you would in the past so i was i was listening to married to the games just a a little while ago and uh, by the time this airs it'll be a little bit out of date but um nintendo switch dominated npd uh, in the month of July, I believe. Um, and I'm wondering about the games that aren't the new ones, like the Minecrafts, the Grand Theft Autos, like there's some that sort of just pop up all the time. Are those, is it, are they on the top 10 because there aren't any games selling that much or like, are the volumes still crazy on those games? So it's a good question for Grand Theft Auto and Minecraft in specific, those two are just still crazy. And especially really? Minecraft. Yeah, and Minecraft's seen a big uptick lately. So there was a little while where, you know, Minecraft, it never died. You know, it was never one of those games where it's just like, oh, no one plays Minecraft anymore. Yeah, can you imagine? But, but, yeah, exactly. But there was a while, you know, where there was like this little bit of a lull, Fortnite kind of. Fortnite effect? In. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fortnite effect, I think, was a big part. And people might think, well, Fortnite and Minecraft are nothing alike. Gameplay wise, they're not, but honestly, they're both those like really big mainstream games mm-hmm. that like all ages play. You know, Minecraft's the same thing. You go from kids to adults. Honestly, Fortnite's the same thing. Yeah. And I think Fortnite did uh, take a little bit of that Minecraft thunder for a little bit. But recently, like the last, I'll say, two or three months, um, you're definitely seeing an uptick again. A lot more people. For example, watching it on Twitch, a lot more people buying the game again. You're seeing it rise in sales charts. Um, so, yeah, Minecraft's just kind of having a bit of a resurgence. And Grand Theft Auto is just crazy. I mean, the game just does not stop. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honestly shocked if Grand Theft Auto 6 can match Grand Theft Auto 5. Oh, it's, really? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. 6 will be huge, but 5 is just insane. The just legs are – yeah, it's a monster. Well, I've always wondered that because it's like top 10, sure, but like what are the, like you never really get into the quantities, right? Yeah. So if you have like a slow month, then like, okay, then this game that's been out forever is yeah. still crushing it, but or still on there. But like in terms of numbers, I've never, I've yeah. never really, really known. So I'm, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Nintendo too, with its, I would say pretty unique strategy in terms of when they're um, launching games this year, the games at least that they publish, uh, pretty dry at the front end of the year, and then just like took over summer which is usually yes. a barren wasteland. And then you yep. see, like, it seemed to kind of, like, work out. So are you seeing things that, like, this is a, is it a unique strategy, A, and then B, if it is, is it actually working out for them? Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question, too. And I'm very curious about that, you know. I haven't uh, I haven't spoken to anyone with Nintendo about that. You know, that's the other thing I, I will say on here is I speak a lot to these actual companies as well. And that's really just due to, you know, friendships made, you know, over time. Uh, it's just... The, the coolest thing about going on, on Twitter, because I only started this whole Twitter, I was a big forum guy, right? Like that's mm. where people before like knew me. I would share the stuff on forums. So it was a little bit more private, a little bit more under wraps. And uh, once I've done Twitter, it became way more public. And, and one thing I was worried about was I was like, hey, uh, I hope publishers and devs don't get mad at me about this. I, I really hope they don't get upset. And uh, actually, it's been the opposite. Pe- mm-hmm. Like these companies have been I've got so many people that have come to me and they're like, you know, thanks. Thanks for talking about this. Um, you know, a lot of the developers that work at these companies love they have a huge interest in sales as well because they're invested in it. Mm-hmm. So with Nintendo, with that question, um, 
I haven't talked to anyone there, so I don't know if this was like a purposeful strategy to do this. Or just or when the games is, were ready. Yeah, yeah, or if this is just how the dev cycle worked out. Mm-hmm. But I will say uh, it's worked out great for them in terms <laughs> of software because, like you said, summer's usually barren, and they've had very little competition. So it's like Mario Maker and Fire Emblem. Like These games can kind of just dominate right mm-hmm. now. And, and even Marvel Ultimate Marvel Alliance 3, mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of people, that was one I was talking about, uh, and a lot of people had low expectations for, you know, because it wasn't, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, not, yeah. Like the media, like uh, one thing I track as well, and uh, I would encourage other people out there too that want to be a little nerdy is uh, trailer views, right? Uh, don't get me wrong, like th- there's not a 100% correlation, but if a, if a game's generally doing high views on YouTube, there, there's a good chance it's going to launch good. And that if it's is doing, fascinating. Yeah, and if it's doing really low views, there's a good chance it's going to launch low. It's not 100%, but mm-hmm. that's a good indicator of how you know, widely known this is to the public, you know, how much is it on their radar? It's got to be the first step. Yeah. The word of mouth has got to be the first step. And I always wonder too, like this is, this is another sort of crossover into charity world as well. Like even sometimes when, um, when donor even complaints, people are going to hate me for saying this. Someone sometimes when donor complaints get up, like even just the, the air about it can, can, you can see revenue generated, which is really interesting. And so like, you know, I think what makes your Twitter special, and I want to get to your YouTube as well. Um, actually, I might as well jump there right now because we commented <laughs> about um, being nervous about being too public. And yeah, yeah. we go eke out of the forums into Twitter. And yeah, there's there's something there. It's something else completely to um, record a video of yourself talking directly into the camera yep, about things that, was... that are like that's a little even more personal. You're probably yep. saying the same things um, and being objective with the data and, and presenting the data. But uh, they're coming out of your mouth into people's ears. So it's, <laughs> yeah. a little, it's a little different. How did that transition go for you? Yeah. So the YouTube came later. I started my Twitter uh, last September. And then I believe I moved on to YouTube in March, uh, if I recall correctly. So mm-hmm. I did the Twitter thing first. I'm like, let's see how this goes. If instantly I'm getting, you know, DMs from uh activision saying hey you better stop talking about call of duty uh you know then i might need to back off out of here if if Mm -hmm. if that was to start happening which luckily literally not one company has reached out and asked me to stop so that's cool that is awesome i'm shocked it's super interesting because i look at a company like xbox who famously is not sharing you know numbers on consoles sold and things like that they've shifted their their metrics to things like engagements and, and hours played things like that um so, like, how do you balance, like, you, mu- every company must have a different set of preferences on For what sure. type of information is out there. Are you able to, you just know them so well that you're not kind of crossing any boundaries that you otherwise would upset people? It's really just a, a combo of things. I think one thing that helps is I don't leak out exact units. Like, I don't share, like, the NPD units. That's mm-hmm. really out of respect. That's universally <laughs> safe. Yeah, I, I expect, you know, that's that's really more out of respect for, you know, NPD group, group mm. themselves, you know, not uh, not necessarily because, oh, Microsoft might get mad at me. It's, you know, I respect their data and, you know, people are paying for that and I don't want to mess with that. Um, but, yeah, in terms of like knowing what each company is cool and not with, I basically just say it all i just put it out there you know and luckily like i said i'll i will say the xbox uh higher ups don't seem to want to 
to really speak with me. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> yeah, I don't know if they are a little bit more touchy about it. I'll say, Maybe you know, Sean Layden, Sean Layden from PlayStation has uh, has reached out and, and, and said, you know, comments and stuff to me. And, and he seemed to be pretty cool. Um you know, and and Nintendo's also uh, their higher ups are a little bit more quiet as well. PlayStation seems to be the most friendly out of the bunch, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's because they're just doing amazing anyways. So they're like, hey, if he wants to talk about stuff doing awesome, then go for it. Um, well, that's what I, yeah. that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about. And uh, my co-host and I on the the Xbox drive, we often talk about um, how commentary can perhaps impact momentum one way or another and i don't know yeah. if this is true this is totally my conjecture uh i also want to talk to you a little bit about uh idiots like me commenting on the uh on the industry with actual no inside <laughs> like scoop or anything we're just we're just gamers like everybody else but you actually have some some knowledge but i wanted to ask you about if a game is doing well and then yeah. like the positive momentum that comes out of people talking about how well that game is doing versus a game that isn't doing so well and how that is mm. maybe magnified or or further hindered it's it's not like a one to one relationship i'm not exactly how 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 i can describe this but it's not like if a game's doing poorly uh, it's just going to have its track, but as soon as people jump onto it, it yeah. just squashes it like like a game yeah. like Anthem. It Very seems true. like people really like to hone in on these games and attack them until they suck the life out of them yep. uh, versus the other end of it. So I don't know if there's any truth to that. There is. There definitely is. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. So it's an interesting to look at because sometimes sometimes there is such thing as like an internet echo chamber, right? That That mm-hmm. is a thing. Sometimes... The internet really does not like something, but it has no correlation to real world sales. And and one of the most prime examples of that was Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, Interesting. That's, yeah, that's one of the most go to ones I go to. So leading up to release, if you were on any forum or anything, the the most common thing was who wants to play this? Who wants to play this? This doesn't look that. If you went in and you just read forums, you would have thought Wildlands was going to just be a bomb, mm-hmm. and it was a massive seller wow. for Ubisoft. It was enormous. Enormous, like yeah. huge, and it had legs. So that's one example of there's just no correlation between internet talk and what's actually happening. But on the inverse, you know, like you said with Anthem, there are definitely things, and Fallout 76, I'll, I'll give that as another example. Um, there definitely is some truth to that. Whenever like a narrative starts forming around a game, it can blow up and really hurt it more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say it's 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 hard to know for sure. Like that's why I try to gauge more, uh, like you know, straight up metrics. This I, is I what happened. Yeah, without, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like even leading up to launch, I like to look more at. Uh, first of all, I have you know people that share pre-order data with me, so that helps. But yeah. <laughs> other than that, um, also things like trailer views and, and stuff like that. So uh, that that's just like real data. I can look at it. I can see numbers and. and I still do definitely read all those comments and those forums just to kind of get an idea what what consumers think, but it's hard to know. It's definitely much more after launch, I'll say, that it has more of an impact. Mm-hmm. Leading up, less so, um, because a lot of those people that go out and buy these games early on are more casual. Yeah, um, They're just people that the marketing is speaking to. Um, but I will definitely say post-launch, you know, like after that first month, if a game really has bad, you know, a bad narrative like Fallout 76, Anthem, yeah, that's when it can really hurt it. Really, really hurt it. 
it's really it's really and i'm glad that we're able to bring up a couple of past examples it's really difficult for me to go like so tell me about gears 5 how's gears 5 <laughs> like tell me about borderlands i think we can maybe... i think gears 5 is gonna be big i think it's gonna be real big well by the time this airs gears 5 will have will have happened actually it will, oh, okay. be, it will be out so i guess this is like a like a prophecy that we'll have we'll, we'll have your your guesses locked in and that's yeah, kind of why i want to get other. away from that <laughs> people <laughs> yelling either i'm a prophet or i have no idea what i'm talking about well and and microsoft is interesting too and i i know that um specifics can get a little bit touchy but as they cross pollinate they start having their their games across the board like are you seeing anything there that like is it more of a um out of a necessity or is it are they curbing competition coming in from stadio or even like pc mm. game like is there other factors into the market like i uh, a comment that i i just heard on a good podcast called the trophy room a playstation podcast by my friend joseph moran he um he was he was calling gamers out a little bit on being maybe a little bit two-dimensional a little binary on it like oh they're just uh if playstation were to do it they were just they would just be copying what xbox mm-hmm. is doing but maybe it's more about like the entire market like are you seeing changes obviously in the gaming industry that yeah. lend itself to this type of strategy yeah big time so i think here, here's my 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 thoughts on what's going on why xbox is kind of doing what they're doing some of this is is firsthand knowledge from people i've, I've spoken with about it and some of it's just me guessing based off you know my study of the industry, what, mm-hmm. what it looks like they're doing. So it's a bit of a mix. I can't tell you this is 100% why. Art and science, for sure. But, yeah, but but I believe one of the reasons you're really starting to see Microsoft try to diversify as much as possible, right? We're starting to see them put stuff on Switch. We're starting, you know, we, we saw them start to put games on PC, and then they went even a step further, and they're like, now we're going on Steam. We're not mm-hmm. just doing our own store. We're doing Steam. Uh, you know, they're they're clearly throwing a wide net for their games. And I think a big part of that comes directly down to, you know, the uh, very rough performance of the Xbox one, especially right. early on. I think, you know, the high up people at that company looked at it and they saw how volatile this industry is. They went from the 360 basically being an enormous success to just one generation later, the Xbox one just collapsing compared to the the 360. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of scared them. I think they're like, if, if this industry is so volatile, um, you know, Microsoft has a lot of money they can make elsewhere. They're like, you know, and, and we know Nadella even said directly to Phil Spencer, he has commented on this. He asked him, why are we in the video game industry? Like, yeah. why, why are we doing this? And I think their thought process is they want to make sure that the Xbox division can be profitable no matter what. No matter what. So if their hardware is selling great, then awesome. They're, they're going to make a profit. If their hardware is suffering you know what? We have these games we can put on Switch. We have these games we can put on Steam. We have Game Pass. We have all these, uh, eventually, xCloud. You know, we have all these other forms of revenue, so we're not so dependent on our box selling. Um, you know, that's that's the way I really see their company going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they're a little bit more at the forefront of this than PlayStation and Nintendo because, you know, PlayStation is just an absolute juggernaut this generation. And uh, so they're they're a little less concerned, I think. And they really have these big inroads in places like Japan and Europe. You know, they're they're a little bit less at risk than Microsoft is. Um, So I I think that you are seeing an industry wide shift on, you know, trying to diversify how, you know, your consumers play games. But I think Microsoft especially is really at the forefront of this because, you know, I think directly because of the 360 to the one drop off. 
Well, and even like the the Red Wings of Death. Sense. No, that totally makes sense. And I even look at like why I don't know that anybody has really talked about this necessarily. The transition from the three sixty to the to the one and why they went the direction they did mm. perhaps was to diversify their risk as well. When they went all in on yeah. games and uh, and realized that they had a billion dollar loss with everything that happened with the Red Ring of Death. Yeah, like, we got to do like it was more than just the design. I think yep. they they were trying to do a little bit obviously too much but that's for sure that's that's a whole other that's a whole other story yeah i think you're right i think you're right i think they were you know trying to their thought process was they were trying to get that xbox into every home every home they could whether you were a big gamer or you were gonna i mean clearly we saw this did not work out Mm -hmm. but they they thought you know maybe you're gonna be watching nfl and we can get that connect voice you know integrate i was excited for that yeah like like it was a (laughs) cool idea but Mm -hmm. The thing they really messed up is is at the end of the day, the people that you're getting to really invest in your ecosystem, especially early on, are gamers. Yeah. You, you cannot forget about the gamers. And uh, we saw Sony for just – they doubled down on that. And that's the other thing that really hurt them, right? If Sony would have been coming out with the same kind of messaging Microsoft did, I think it would have hurt them less. Yeah. But the fact that Sony was – I mean, just parading around once they saw the the negative reception to the Xbox One up to, prior to launch. You know, they're like, we're all about the gamers. It's games, 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 games. And I think that really left Microsoft kind of off on their own island and, and caught them off guard. And all at a time when the Internet probably is, is never been louder. Like, I, yeah. I, I'd i be curious yeah. to see as we get into Scarlet and PS5 and everything. Like, I don't know that we're we're headed for another like community an online community jump like we did back in 2014 2015 yeah type of thing. like things just really took off people really figured out how to get their voice out there on twitter on youtube and everything yep. else like like all of those factors kind of combined to just squash <laughs> xbox and amplify yeah. amplify playstation i want to stick with microsoft just a little bit because as i watch um i look at my desktop here i've got my steam store my battle net my epic everything else no, um, there is a Microsoft store, and they've tried this like games with Windows before. Mm, but yeah. man, like they everybody talks about Epic having the Fortnite money. Yep. Microsoft has Microsoft money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why? <laughs> why did they fail? Like why? Why haven't they been able to really curb? Like even Epic is making big inroads, yeah. making big moves, catching people's attention for good or for bad. I for think sure. they're still kind of getting more users uh, month over month. Whereas Microsoft, instead of doing the Epic Store thing or the Steam Store, they're cross-pollinating as well. Yeah, I think I think Microsoft's big problem here, why, why they've just really suffered, is a, a combo of two things. First of all, I think people were so burned by their last attempt. Uh, you know, Games for Windows Live, I believe it was, if I recall <laughs> Whatever, the name correctly. Dude, yeah. All the names. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> the the last time where it was just a complete botch that, that mm-hmm. people were very scared to to trust them again. Uh, you know, I, I think that's part of it. Their their last attempt at a PC storefront just did not go well at all. And then I think also this time around a lack of uh, investment on Microsoft's part. I know that sounds kind of weird because they're a massive company, but uh, from some of the things I've heard, their uh, commitment to the storefront in particular, like you know, really investing into into making that thing top end of the line, was mm-hmm. not necessarily like all in. It was yeah. kind of just a, a thing. Um, and I think they've kind of realized, hey, you know what, let's we'll still do you know games on our storefront, but 
Steam is just already there. It's already completely set up. We have basically no work. We just put a game up there, and uh, I, I think that's just easier for them. So I think my I think it's those two things really that mm-hmm. that hurt it. They haven't gone all in on investing on their storefront and. People just don't trust them on the PC side. Console's a little different, but PC side, they just don't trust them. So funny. It's like everybody, what are you playing on? You're playing on a Microsoft, like it's on Windows, yeah. for God's sake. Yeah. It's like, holy crap. Yeah. What, a, what a miss. Talk to me about 2019. How's 2019 going, man? Both. Um, we'll talk okay. about the games first, but I kind of want to talk about life as well, if, if that's cool with you. But like, um, I think 2017, in recent memory, is a year that everybody talks about, maybe the one of the one of the best in, in video game history, maybe top five in video game yeah. history. Um, um, from both a quality and also sales uh, perspective, like how's how's the year going for you, man? Okay, so um, the year's been cool. It's been better than 2018 for me on a personal level. So thank, oh, good. thank goodness, yeah, good, good there. Things are are better on that front. In terms of the uh, industry, hardware's been rough. It, it's been you know hardware sales have been pretty brutal this year. Uh, outside of Switch, you know Switch has been doing amazing. It's the new thing on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but Xbox and PlayStation, at least in terms of like console sales, ha- have been really hurting, especially in the U.S. Uh, you know Sony is still doing pretty well in some other regions, um, but especially the U.S. and Xbox hardware sales are, are really suffering uh, this year, especially because it's. We don't have like the new X launch, whereas last year like was the first full year with the X. Mm-hmm. You know that really helped console sales last year for them. Um, and, and this year has just been mm-hmm. been a lot rougher. So for hardware, you know, I would grade grade uh, 2019 is not not good. Not, not a, yeah, not a good year. You know, this generation's definitely winding down. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it actually makes me not to jump ahead a year, but it makes me a little worried about 2020. If I'm being honest, really? yeah, not in terms of software, but hardware sales. It's like if they're already hurting right now, and we have a full another year until the next generation gets here. You know, those first 10 months or, or whatever, whenever those consoles launch of 2020 could be brutal. So, Yikes. yeah, yeah, we'll see. You know, maybe maybe they'll do some stuff to help, you know, lift sales. I think PlayStation could definitely squeeze a price cut in there permanently. That would help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably Xbox as well. But I think 2020 might be a little scary in terms of hardware. That's a good point about the price cut, man. Like, there really hasn't been anything. No. By the, by this time, the 360 and PS3 era, like, I was buying my parents a couple Xbox 360s just because yeah. I wasn't sure what else to get them for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, PS4, it's done crazy how they have not dropped that price. The console mm-hmm. is still... Right, we're at the end of this generation. It's only dropped by a hundred bucks for its, you know, retail price. That's um, insane. Since launch, yeah, it's only dropped by a hundred dollars. It's crazy. So, in terms of sales, are you talking about units sold? Are you talking about revenue or both or what? Both revenues yeah. down. Everything's and, down. Yeah, yeah, revenues down. And so are units. They're they're both down for yeah. for PlayStation and Xbox. They're they're both down this year. Software has been. Uh, you know, also mixed, I would say, but there's been some really good performers as well. Um, there hasn't been like a huge overperformer for me this year, like like crazy, crazy, like shocking overperformer. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen one of those yet. Uh, maybe the closest is Kingdom Hearts three. Honestly, really? might sound kind of, yeah, it might sound kind of random, but the fact that we're in, you know, 
in the U.S. up until July. They have not released the August report yet, you know, because mm-hmm. we're not there. But up until July, Kingdom Hearts is still, you know, the second best selling game of the year. <laughs> well, hopefully I mean, it, it, it keeps that up for the next year or two and they can maybe break even on the 10 years of <laughs> yeah. development or whatever. Right. No that's kidding. insane, man. I, yeah, like, I would say software is bad, not like yeah. hardware. Like hardware, I, I would just flat out grade is bad. Uh, software is just kind of mixed. There's been some good and, and some bad. You know, it's just been a little bit of a mixed mixed bag there. And you're talking about when you talk about software, like the entirety of software, like it's, yeah. it's the the game and DLC microtransactions, all of yeah. that stuff. Yeah, really yeah. just as a whole, you, you put it all together and, you know, there's been some good performances, especially out in Nintendo recently. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen that. We've been seeing some record breaking performances for their franchises, you know, but we've also seen some games kind of miss, you know, Division 2 has had like it's had a good reception, but it's still not at Division One levels Damn of sales. It, I thought that was good. that was the case. Yeah, I really like that doing, game. I think it's terrific. yeah. It's not doing bad. I'm not sitting here like I don't want anyone to think I'm saying oh Division Two is doing terrible. Sure, not at all. But it's definitely not. I would say you know having a huge breakout success. Um, same thing with Anthem. You know Anthem clearly missed expectations. So mm-hmm. some of these bigger, you know, really big AAA games kind of are missing this year but we're also seeing some over performances from some others so it's kind of just balancing out everything just out, averages yeah out. it's just a mixed bag mm-hmm. well it kind of now i want to go check out the division's uh launch trailer views i want to go check that out and start <laughs> to put all this stuff to the test i feel like everybody's going to be checking out like even just yeah, youtube in general <laughs> just lifting it all up i mean maybe yeah. that's just it man that's the whole thing about you know podcasting and commentary on their whole thing in, in general more voices kind of add more uh interest into it and, yeah. and keep people engaged and keeps video games top of mind so you spend money there instead of yeah. on movies or whatever else which i think is interesting for sure um i wanted to ask you a little bit about like the generation that we had which was different um in terms of like the mid-generation like the x and the and the, and the pro and i think about i, I mm. the, this thought just sort of like dawned on me as you were talking about how the the hardware for this year in particular is, is pretty pretty lackluster yeah. and i wonder did did microsoft and, and playstation have they squeezed everything that they could out of the audience this year and if so like does it sort of mimic kind of what happened with like this is a weird analogy but like guitar hero where yeah, yeah. it was this success and then they're like okay we're going to try and get as many sales of these these things as possible and give you all the things that we can. Of course, you can't really do that with a console. You can't yeah. have a new one every year, although maybe on right. phones you can. Yeah. Um, is that like the, the, the drop up that you're seeing? Is it part of the um, the mid generation upgrade? And then another kind of tack on to that would be, would we see this drop off here uh, that you're seeing here? Would we have seen it back in whatever it was, 2017? when those when those consoles launched like were they able to like curb mm. an early drop off with those things or did they damn themselves right. now with with low sales because they've they've squeezed too much out or expected and demanded too much out of gamers right right so i think that those mid-gen refreshes definitely from the data i've seen helped like yeah I, okay I do, yeah i do think that they helped i think this tale like i, I think we would have seen a quicker drop off uh had those not released because no one's gone out and given exact percentages in recent years of what percentage of console sales those make. So I cannot say them. I'm sorry, yeah, everyone. I, I cannot give you those percentages, but 17%. I will say I will say they are not small. They, they are yeah, not a okay. small percentage. The X and the Pro are not a small percentage of sales. So uh, had those not been there, I think the drop off would have been more. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that last year was really lifted again by Fortnite. Um, last year was better than expected from almost every analyst I've talked to because Fortnite. 
Um, wow. From, yeah, from everyone I've spoken with about it, everyone agrees Fortnite Effect really helped console sales last year. Like, really, really, really helped. Um, so I think that also helped. And then in terms of uh, – I'm trying to remember how you phrased it. The first part of the question that was uh, – Well, uh, I, I guess sort of like squeezing – was there too much squeezing out of it out of uh, it with like too much demand, like the Guitar uh, Hero thing? Yeah, yeah, I remember what I was going to say here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – my personal opinion, and this is just personal, I think this generation's been a year too long. Uh, I know people hate. Yeah, I know people hate to hear that. Um, people really like their generations to last a really long time. You know, they want to get the most out of their boxes. A lot of people are still buying consoles super late. You know, so they're like, "Hey, I'm just getting my PlayStation 4 and and everything." But I really think, in terms of market, you know, not necessarily in terms of what tech they can get. I think that's the real reason we're getting 2020, by the way, and not 2019. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it has anything to do with the business strategy. That's just when the tech was ready that they yep. wanted in these boxes for the price they could get. Right. Um, you know, I think that's the real reason. I don't think this is anything to do with business. It's more just, hey, when can we cost effective make the box that we want? Um, but in terms of like business, if we could have just, you know, gotten a, a picture perfect thing where technology and price came together, I think holiday 2019 would have just been a better launch for the industry. Uh, because like I said, I think 2020 is going to really suffer for hardware. Uh, I think software is going to be big. We got Cyberpunk, Final Fantasy, Last of Us 2. I think 2020 software is going to be incredible. Um, mm-hmm. But I think hardware is is in a rough spot. Man, well, I was at E3 this year, and when uh, at the tail end of the of the Xbox conference, when they said Scarlet Holiday 2020, I was genuinely disappointed because I. So you're right. I think most of the internet is saying. I want this console generation to last as long as possible. I feel like I just got my 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 pro or my X. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. I I really I was disappointed uh, a little bit, and not just like not like a give me my my. That's not from an entitled standpoint. Yeah. Just like yeah, yeah. like I really I kind of like just sense this. It's it's time. Yeah. And even the way that the, a lot of the games were being announced, even though a lot of the new games were like spring, like a lot of like March yep. is kind of crazy. April's kind of heavy. And so I was really expecting them to go, by the way, all the games that we were talking about, all the, this whole conference um, that are coming out in March and April, like you're going to have a brand new yeah. console and they're going to play all those better. And then Halo Infinite kind of thing. Like that's kind of where I was expecting them to go, yeah, which was a little bit nice. disappointing. And then, so again, to take the kind of like the console war out of it, um, would there have been a benefit for Xbox to launch ahead of PlayStation, knowing that PlayStation likely sure. would launch in holiday. Like you think like, I, I kind of want to get your commentary a little bit on consoles that launch side by side. So mm. PS4 and Xbox one versus the switch, which wasn't even like alongside any of the others. And Nintendo yeah. rarely is. Um, but it wasn't even like in the time of year that you would expect. I remember yep. when they, they, uh, they leaked out, I guess, where people were talking about the next, the NX is going to come out in March or, yeah. or spring. And people were like, that's clearly fake. It's clearly like a yep. fiscal year placeholder kind of thing because consoles don't come out there. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I kind of wanted to first talk a little bit about like, uh, the benefit or the hindrance and, and the pros and cons of consoles launching side by side versus maybe doing it the Nintendo style. Yeah. So, uh, I definitely think Nintendo came out and flat out proved you do not have to launch in holiday. Like, yeah. like if anyone thought that that if that was like an industry thought process, like you got to be there in November and anything else ain't going to work. You know that uh, Nintendo just came out and said, nope, that mm-hmm. is not accurate. <laughs> um, Switch came out in March, did amazing basically the entire year. Right. It's not like it did 
awesome in March and then it just cratered. You know, it's just done. You know, people only cared about it then and then no one bought it until the holidays. Not true at all. Sold that entire year. Right. Um, so, yeah, a non-holiday launch is absolutely doable. Um, I think it would have really benefited Microsoft if they could have got out in front of Sony. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it would have helped them a lot. Um, you know, I do think, you know, I've said this on the record. I think Scarlet's going to do better than the one, even with, you know, Microsoft putting their games, you know, out everywhere. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, is this going to hurt, you know, Xbox console sales? I actually don't really think so. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it really does. I think people that buy consoles tend to buy consoles. Uh, they're not necessarily going to be streaming this game on their phone, right? They're not necessarily going to be, oh, I'm going to play Gears on xCloud on my phone. Um, or, or even PC. A lot of PC people are you know, PC people. There's definitely overlap. I'm not trying to say there's none. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think this hurts them less putting their games on other platforms than some people think. And then also, uh, I think Scarlet's just going to have a lot better messaging in general. Um, you know, the the one, as we know, that that reveal was was rough. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I think Microsoft learned their lesson. I think they're going to come out with Scarlet Games, Games, Games. Um, you know, they've bought all these studios. These studios are going to have things to show. You know, I'm assuming next year is when we're going to see the full reveal. Right. I I don't think Microsoft's going to have another big showcase for Scarlet this year. I think at XO 19, they might show a little bit. I think maybe they'll. They'll throw like, hey, here's Fable running on Scarlet, you know, they're just to hype people up. I don't know, but maybe something like that. But I don't think yeah. you'll get like a Scarlet blowout until next year. But I think that messaging is going to be a lot better. So if they could have got out in front of Sony, it would have helped, but yeah. it doesn't look like it's going to happen. You just got me so hyped up for next year. Like just thinking <laughs> yeah. about like the entire like rollout and the That's hype fire. wild. Oh my gosh, That's like just wondering crazy. when the first time we're going to see the box and the controller, yeah. like, man, this is an exciting time to be talking about video games. Absolutely. Like it's, it's been a wild ride this entire generation. And now yep. we're going to start seeing like them go, those, those Titans kind of go back, battle it out again. Oh, for and sure. Sony's been super quiet this super whole time. Quiet. Oh dude, I'm, I'm so curious. Right. What, what Sony's like, how they're going, are they going to go back to E3? Are they not like, is Sony permanently out of E3? Are they going to go back next? year um when are they gonna show anything like they've announced some stuff but you know mm -hmm. microsoft's still the first one that put a trailer out there granted we didn't see much for scarlet but they, it was much more of a public message about next gen sony's been just dead silent i mean crazy quiet for a market leader um yeah, it's going to be next year is going to be crazy seeing, yeah. you know, how they how they brand their consoles, what their messaging is, what the launch lineup looks like for both. It's it's going to be crazy. Talk to me about the race to 10 million. I think we've heard a couple mm. of platformers talk about this. And when you when you yeah. launch a system like it's really it's it's important to hit. We I, I think it's pretty well known. It's if it's not, it's been said that it's important to hit 10 million sales as quickly as possible. For sure. Um, obviously, 10 million is a lot. But like, why is that important? What is what's the race? What's the deal with the race to 10 million? So a, a big part of that is because that's the, the quicker you hit those early sales metrics. That means the more often your consumer is telling their consumer about their console there if, if you have that ps4 and, and you're hitting ps4 sales at 10 million when xbox is at five that's five million more people going out there telling their friends their their family yo get this ps4 i love it i love it mm -hmm. and as that builds it just builds quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker so it's really about getting 
those devices in people's homes so people either can see them, they're over at a friend's house, they see that PS4, they're like, wow, this game's amazing, I need to go out and get one. Or, you know, it, it's really just about getting as many into as many people's homes as possible so your consumer becomes your marketer for you. That 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 all makes sense to me. And I guess what I'm what I'm curious about is like what is it about the number mm. 10 million? Like are you like would you see if you're looking at, at some scales that like like they're like a pretty gradual like uptick and then all of a sudden you hit 10 million and then something happens like are you is there something to be seen about that uh 10 million marker that changes the trajectory of of the graph of the of the slope and everything? I don't particularly think it's that important, that specific number. I right? Think, uh, yeah. Just I sounds good? So. I think it's a good soundbite more than anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. I think so. I, th- I think it's more of a good soundbite. I think it's mm-hmm. more – what's more important than necessarily an exact unit number is the acceleration of consoles into households quickly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether that number's first to 8 million or first to 10 – I, mm-hmm. I just think what's more important is how rapidly you're getting them out into households. I think that's the main takeaway people should take. Not necessarily the 10 million. 10 million is great. It's awesome. Uh, but I think it's more of an aw- a good soundbite to be like, hey, yeah. we're the first to 10 million. Then, it's like the then, first 90 days in office kind of, or 100 yeah, days in office yeah, or whatever it I is. Think, like, I think it just makes for good PR more than anything. Makes sense. Yeah. That, make, that makes sense. I'm curious as we uh, as we uh, turn the corner towards the close of the show, I, but I am curious. This is obviously something like your your brain works in a different way than than other people's in terms <laughs> of being excited about numbers and analytics. Like yeah. I'm not ju- I I recognize that because I like. There's this thing that that uh, my colleagues and I talk about where it's like you look at the da- the data and it will speak to you. It's yeah. almost like you look at it and it will actually like it will tell you a story just by looking For at all sure. the metrics. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious about like professionally you have the people around you to kind of scratch this itch and you can talk about this stuff and engage yeah. in this way. What about your family and friends, man? Like, how do you <laughs> how do you escape <laughs> the professional realm of talking about curves and, and data and analytics and everything? And you go like, so mom and dad, like, um, you, want, you want to know about like what presales are doing real well yeah, and why they, that is? Like, <laughs> they they uh, to them it's a whole nother world. It's something. Well, video they games just, already are. Yeah, they they just do not understand it. They know that like. Uh, they know a lot of people like like to talk to me about it and that like it's a thing like they think it's cool that I'm doing it uh, mm. but yeah it is completely a whole nother realm to them when it comes up they kind of just have this blank face <laughs> like <laughs> oh cool that's nice I'll good be like for you. oh man this game's tracking so good yeah. um, <laughs> I can imagine and, and it's funny because I, I do think that my uh, my love for sales and my love for the gaming industry in general go hand in hand. I think I think a big reason why I love the numbers and I love the to to look at all this so much is because first and foremost, you know, I'm a gamer. Like for yeah. that's not always true of all like people that are professional analysts. You know, some people they don't play a lot of games, but they still analyze the video game industry. Like mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of people out there like that for big companies that that do that sort of thing. And for me, I mean, I'm out there getting games day one. I'm excited. And uh, I think one reason I love the numbers is it's telling me, you know, what what the consumer wants. What 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 do people want? What do they like? You know, what what direction do people want to see games go? What do they not want to see games go? Uh, I just find it fascinating. I, I think mm-hmm. that. You know, it's it's they go hand in hand. If I didn't love video games, I don't think I would love watching sales as much as I do. 
You know, I, I, yeah, I think it's just the marriage of both. Uh, they just come together and make me super passionate about it. Well, selfishly, I wanted to live a little bit vicariously through you because I do have such a fascination with this. And part of my fascination, I think, with analytics is like it sort of cuts through all the crap, which uh, yes. we, we, we briefly discussed a little bit. Just like it definitely gets through all the console war kind of stuff. 100%. And it also it cuts through as much a little bit more conjecture and speculation uh, that, that seems to run rampant. And it, it yep. like it doesn't matter what you think of why this happened or all these other, like. It, the the facts matter yeah like and that's numbers sort of the most lie. right that's a better way to put it yeah definitely like the numbers don't lie so it's like that's a more compelling story a more compelling thing to talk about than like i don't know economy or who knows like it was raining that day like it doesn't those yeah. things don't really matter but the the game dropped on this date it had these other games kind of dropping around it like there's mm-hmm. there's factors that are trackable and those are the things that matter that to me make it a much more compelling conversation For sure. You know, there's so much noise on the Internet and that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's all bad or all good. It's just right. You know, there's so many there's so many voices. Right. There's just so much noise that sometimes it's really hard to pick out, you know, what's what's real, what's you know, what's amplified more than than is real. Like I said, the numbers don't lie. You know, when the when the units come out, when the uh, the revenue comes out, whatever it is, whatever metric you're looking at that, that sales related, I mean, that's the truth behind the story. It, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you know, that that cuts through it all. Just like you said, it, it cuts straight through it. And you know exactly, exactly what the truth is behind how this game is performing, how much people like it. You know, one thing I see all the time that, that kind of drives me crazy is, uh, you know, just random, you know, people will be like, oh, well, this game sold well, but that doesn't mean anyone liked it. It's like, no, people wouldn't buy the game if they don't like it. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, man. That might be true for month one. You know, I'll give you that. Maybe the marketing got people to buy in and, you know, they hated it after month one. I will agree on that. If you see a game, you know, sell a lot of units month one and then month two is down by like 80 or 90%. Yeah. Okay. People got it. They played it and they hated it. But mm-hmm. like these games that like sell, you know, for months and months and months and, and you'll still see people be like, no one really likes it. It's just, it's, not- it's like, Dude, no one would be buying this game if they didn't love it. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 one thing that if you want to talk about something that will just set me off, that that's it. It drives me crazy. Well, because you have you have the information, and, yeah. and it's like this complete. It's completely made up, but also very forceful in the in the presentation of yeah, that opinion. Yeah, yeah. People will be so aggressive about it. I yeah. think that's the thing that kind of bothers me about it. It's not like. Uh, you know, if someone's just like they don't know the data, they're just curious, you know, because mm-hmm. I get a lot of that, too. Like uh, people will just ask me. They're like, you know, oh, I, I didn't know this game sold that well. That's really cool to know. I didn't know people like this. Something like that. Yeah, not at all. It's when people come like super aggressive and they're just like, oh, no one likes this. You know, you know, this company is evil, whatever it is. You know, yeah, we've, all heard, it. It. we've all mm-hmm. heard it. We've all heard. That's the thing that I'm like, come on. People are not. Buying. I always I always push back on that a little bit as well, but I never have the, the information really to back it up. I'm like, man, we got to maybe take it easy on these. Yeah. Uh, well, corporations are evil. That's that's kind of the main reason why I got on Twitter and YouTube to, to mm-hmm. kind of explain that. Um is to get that information out of there because there's so many people that I love that cover games, whether they're, you know, journalists or whether they're, you know, influencers or, or whatever they are. Um, I love following them. I watch their content, but I would always notice like when a sales discussion came up, there was just a lot of like misinformation that would get put in there. Not not mm-hmm. like, you know, for for mean or, you know, malicious reasons, not not anything like that. They just didn't know. You know, they just yeah. they just didn't know 
the data. They didn't know how things were going. So that's kind of actually like the main reason I did it was I was I was kind of trying to get the info to be more public, to be more out there, to so people could kind of read it and you know when they did host their you know whatever it is their article that they were writing or you know their podcast that they're filming that they might have a little bit more information just to to kind of help you know I I was trying to like help the sales conversation. Well, I think I think you have, and that's definitely why I wanted to have you on on this show. And it's I think you do it in a very in a very apt way and, and tactful way because you're not necessarily, at least I haven't seen, you don't go to this person like, hey, you're way wrong. Maybe yeah, you should shut I up for a moment that. because yeah, here's, no. the, <laughs> like it's, you're adding just another accurate voice. Like there's, I would say like you and then like Daniel Ahmad who yeah. like really just, you just put it out there. And I would also say that people are hungry for that. And that's probably what you're noticing as well is Big people time. know when it's real. People know when it's truthful and that it's like, there's, uh, people want that. And I think that's why we flock to whenever there is any information, we just go like, oh, tell me more. Yeah. But we don't really do that, the fact checking, which is difficult to do. We got all, everybody's busy. But when a true objective voice kind of like pops up, it's special and it's, and it's easy to spot. Thank because you. um because it's backed up so yeah man it's it's definitely noticeable yeah thank you I, I i super appreciate that i respect daniel a ton you know i i, I think that guy is awesome mm-hmm. um and yeah thanks you know i i try to be authentic with it you know sometimes people will get a little salty with me because i'll uh i'll talk about industry gossip as well you know I, I i tend to put a little gossip out there and uh I hear a lot of things. Half of it's fake. Half of it's real. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about like, you know, quote, quote, leaks, not sales data. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, it, I, I tend to put a little bit out there and sometimes people are like, oh, you know, well, this thing you said, you know, it's not true. I'm like, hey, I'm just sharing some gossip. I, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you it's all real. Um, I would I grade myself an S tier sales insider nice. and a, a D tier <laughs> leaks insider. <laughs> I like Cause, it because I definitely hear I do hear some real stuff. You know, one one you know I, there's definitely some real stuff I hear, uh, but I just get a lot of noise. So some some of it's very oh, fake, man. some of it's not. I don't talk about half the gossip I hear, but when I find something super crazy or interesting, sometimes I'm like, Hey, I heard this. No idea if it's real or not, but <laughs> man, I, and I think like many of us who really like games in this industry, we all just like would love to be a fly on the wall for so many of these crazy <laughs> there's, there's conversations. Been some, dude, there's, there's, there's been some interesting ones. There's been I'm some sure. ones from some places that shocked me. <laughs> oh man. Oh gosh. That's <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. One quick question I have for you before we kind of wrap things up here is you kind of mentioned a little bit of um, uh, when games do really well for a quick month and then they drop off completely. And one of the first times, I can't remember which game it was, but I, um, gosh, it, it couldn't have been Anthem. Um, but there was a few examples in the last in the last year or so when a game launched and then an article would go, sales dropped off by like 75%. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of the first times, I wish I could remember what game it was, but it was one of the first times I remember that metric being cited or mm-hmm. being discussed. And I'm like, compared, so everybody's making a big deal about this because it sounded like it was a big double digit number and everybody yeah. was kind of freaking out. I'm like, but that's, we all know that there's this curve. There's For this sure. like, there's this big bump at the start and it kind of like falls off and you can like ride down it like a slide into the future. Um, what is a normal like curve kind of look like for you? Like your, your, your typical triple A game? Like, is it like a big bump and then the next month is a 50% drop off? Is it 30%? Mm-hmm. Like what was, at what point are you alarmed mm-hmm. by a month over month kind of drop off? Right. So great question. And what's interesting is it's, 
It is so different right now, depending on what kind of game you're launching. They are like radically different. So yeah, yeah, I'll give you like, you know, a couple different things I look at that alarm me or don't alarm me, make me think everything's all right. It's it's, it's all good. Um, In general, games have large drop offs in their second month, you know, in general, just across the board. Uh, You know, it's one of those things. You're rarely saying, oh, this game sold 10% less in its second month. No, you're usually looking at 50 or even more percentage right. on that second month. It's it's extremely common. So I, I that kind of thing doesn't alarm me. And the crazy thing also is it depends on genre. So JRPGs, for example, your Personas, your Final Fantasies, these kind of games tend to have huge declines in their second month. Oh, really? Yeah, they're the most, in my opinion, front-loaded genre. JRPGs, their fan base is super, super excited for these games. They are there on day one. They are there on week one. And then they decline huge in general. This isn't in general. JRPGs in general have that big decline. So if I see a JRPG in its second month drop 70%, I'm not worried. You know, it's right. it, they get the bulk of their sales up front. They do have some tail as well, but not like let's say, for example, a Madden. You know, Madden's going to sell for months and months and months. MLB. You know, these sports games, very long tails. Um, so I would say in general, if you're not like a JRPG, if you're just like a big AAA game and you're dropping, you know, above seventy percent in your second month, that's a little scary. Uh, right. I would say, oh, okay. yeah, I would say if you're if you're over seventy percent decline in your second month, that that's real scary. If you're at fifty percent, not at all, pretty typical. Uh, nothing to be worried about there. Um, but above, you know, seventy and above, that's a little scary. You, you yeah. might you might have something going on there that that ain't good. Okay, well, that gives me something to keep in mind from now on. Yeah. I just it really struck me as like I've never seen this metric. I always knew this was a thing because we look at like donations coming in for a particular campaign, right. and like you have a like like a, a like an effort sort of drop, like an email or a mail or something it drops, and then you get this in, big influx, and then you can watch the tail and you can measure it in very kind of similar way. So. Mm-hmm. I was really curious to see sort of internet kind of explode <laughs> over these metrics. I'm like, yeah. you guys aren't comparing it to anything. You'd never even yeah. heard of this metric yeah. before. <laughs> like, For and sure. now you're outraged. And then adding to that thing that we talked about before, like this echo chamber that dampens, mm-hmm. like that that furthers that impact. Yeah, when people talk about this game doing really poorly. You're making it do even worse rather than like maybe it'd be good if games did well. That'd yeah. be all right. Yeah, and I hate to say it, but you know, I think we all kind of know this. Negativity gets clicks. You know. Yeah. I know it's it's so common, you know, uh, people like to and that's not just games. It's anything, you Everything, know, people yeah. that, you know, there's lots of studies on it. And I, I'm sure we can all attest to it in our personal lives. Uh, you know, that negative headline is much more likely to get a click than being like, hey, today's amazing, everyone, <laughs> you know, um, and, and I think I'm fighting that fight, man. Yeah. I really I really think like, and I think you are as well. Like even just being objective is better yeah. than being negative yeah. or like it's, it's still. Yeah, it's yeah. a choice, man. It's yeah. a choice. It is. And I think I think that's that's one reason that a lot of sales articles you'll see that get traction, you know, especially the ones that really gain traction. A lot of them are look at how much Anthem is dropping. Look how much Fallout 7. 76 or or whatever game it is you know i I think that you know i'm not saying anyone's purposely being malicious but those are the types of articles that people are going to click on and and, Mm -hmm. uh and yeah so i think that's one reason why you see that kind of article really get a lot of attention and sales related articles 
Yeah, there's there's definitely a way to ensure that happens. Is yeah, uh, yeah sort of put that narrative <laughs> forward. But that's a whole that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Benji, I've been fascinated talking to you today, man. This yeah, has been an absolute blast. Dude. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me on. I've had this has been an awesome conversation. You've been an amazing host. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really not just saying that. I've been fascinated having this conversation too. It's been fun. This is like my favorite thing to do is talk to people about sales. It's why I started doing like my live chats on YouTube. Uh, I just started doing those like in the last two weeks. Um, I just, this is my favorite part. My favorite part of this whole thing I've started doing is talking to people about it. I love it. I love it, man. Well, yeah, let's talk about where people can find you on the internet. You don't have an insignificant number of subscribers over there on YouTube, so let everybody know where they can jump over to you all over the place. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. That's where I do like the majority of my stuff, the the majority. If you just want to chat with me, talk to me, or, or just read my sales insights, um, at Benji Sales on Twitter. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me, but I also do YouTube videos as well. Um, you know, it's it's a, a tight knit group. I'm seeing a lot of you know of the same people come up for my live chats and stuff, which is cool. I like that. You know, we're That's building awesome. a, a little sales community over there, so you can find me on YouTube. It's the same thing, Benji Sales uh, on YouTube and Twitter. That's that's the way to get a hold of me. Awesome, man. Well, th- thanks again. This has been absolutely amazing. I'm sure people will be jumping over as soon as possible. So this has been great, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, th- again, thank you so much for having me. And anytime you want to chat, anything, you know, I'm always down. Just let me know and, and I'll definitely come back. You've been an awesome host. That is the kind of conversation that really makes me miss doing the show on a weekly basis. I get every time I, I publish one of these shows, every time I get to have another interview chat uh, with a stranger from the internet, I get a little pulled back in. It's that old muscle memory. For those of you who don't know, this show used to be, uh, uh, I used to do a show called We the Gamer Cast. It ran for about 180 episodes. And then when um, my daughter was born, I took a little bit of a break. I shut that show down. I wasn't really sure how the heck I was going to be able to continue all of the things. So. This is now the new iteration. It is a monthly show, and I hope you guys like that. If you're new, please subscribe. Please follow on on, uh, on Twitter and all those things. I'll get into how you can support the show in just a second. But I want to quickly give another thank you to Benji Sales. You took time out of your day, and I think even since we've had this chat, amazing things have happened. Interesting things happening with Control, some Borderlands stuff, so... Thank you, thank you, thank you. What an amazing opportunity for uh, for this for this podcast, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Please, if you want more of that, youtube.com slash benjisales, uh, twitter.com, uh, I guess, or at benjisales over on Twitter. That music, in case you guys were wondering, that led into the interview, Mega Man 3, Rock the Masters. Go to ocremix.org to listen to that, because I, I really dig it, man. And uh, we're going to close out the show, but I want to let you guys know... As I get a pop-up, Insipid Ghost is currently streaming. Here's five. Hello, Insipid Ghost. If you guys want to support the show, if you like it, and you want to contribute in any sort of way, a couple of different ways you can do that. You can follow on Twitter at the Gamercast Pod. You can follow me at Sean Capri. Sean like Connery, Capri like the pants. Um, I know many of you make your own content, so you can talk about it on your show. Um, you can share it. You can rate it on iTunes or Google. Is it, does it count if you do it on Google? Who knows? Let's focus on Apple. Um, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash Sean Capri um, or if you are really, truly motivated. And if you want to get the show early, a few days early, patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. There's bonus content. You get my solo Q&A show. Um, you can also submit topics for If We Ran Nintendo. And you help put gas in the tank for the Xbox Drive. It's my Xbox show that I, that I record while driving. 
I mentioned a little bit about that at the top of the show. I want to give a quick thank you to uh, our artist, Fiona McKinnon. Fiona, I hope you're doing very well. I'm going to give you a, a big old hug. You're just kind of the best. Guys, please check me out on the Xbox Drive and if we're at Nintendo. But otherwise, this is episode five of the GamerCast. It's now in your ears. I hope you guys subscribe. I'll see you guys next month. And now it's time for a goodie, but an oldie. It's time for Jason. 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 Sean, where are you? Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!